0: Good evening. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. We got a lot going on today with the weather and everything else. And, you know, on Friday, it's like the moment I was off the air on Friday, we got the Sebastian Gorka resignation and the Joe Arpaio resignation. So we haven't even had a chance to talk about that. The Antifa violence, the hurricane, the global warming hysteria, climate change Overall of it. We've got a ton to cover tonight. Uh, so buckle up uh, as we get through this. Before I do anything else, though, before I cover any of that, I want to go back to Friday. Uh, the the story I had about the cowards in the Republican Party not standing up in the culture war, not doing anything to protect their voters. Uh, there was a relevant local story regarding Casey Cagle's uh, campaign for governor that we should... Um, we should touch on. Jim Galloway interviewed uh, Kegel the other day, and it was an interesting conversation because Jim Galloway brought up the issue of the adoption bill that I mentioned on Friday. If you will recall the governor and leadership of the legislature wanted to change adoption laws in Georgia for the first time in decades. It would have uh, streamlined and made efficient uh, the adoption legislation in Georgia, the adoption rules in Georgia. They haven't been updated in quite a while. Well, a number of Republican members of the legislature said they were fine with it, but they wanted to allow Christian adoption agencies in the state to help the state place children without giving up their Christian values. The governor and the speaker in the house and others in the legislature want to discriminate against Christians and say they can't participate in state adoption services unless they give up their views on marriage. Essentially, we're determining who do you discriminate against. Uh, Now, I would argue you're not really discriminating against uh, gay would-be parents because they have plenty of adoption uh, agencies they can go to in the state without the Christian adoption agencies. But by allowing the Christians to participate without discriminating on them, you provide even additional avenues by which children under state care can be adopted. But gay rights advocates said, no, you have to discriminate against Christians. You have to prohibit them from participating in adoption services in the state unless they give up their deeply held religious beliefs. So that killed the legislation. The, the governor, the Speaker of the House, and other leaders in the legislature were willing to go along with gay rights activist calls to discriminate against Christians and they killed the adoption legislation instead of allowing Christians to participate in helping place children. So Casey Cagle asked about this uh, by Jim Galloway. And one of the things he said about this, in addition to he wants to expand rural broadband, which is interesting, he also said in this issue that he wants to expand adoption. And this is his direct quote, we want to expedite kids being able to be adopted in any family, a loving family, a caring family, where they have a true future. I don't want us to get caught up in a religious liberty debate on the adoption bill. Well, I think you kind of have to have that religious liberty debate. And and this is what I've been talking about the whole time. Are you going to allow Christians, uh, this again, this is, this is the Lieutenant Governor. We want to expedite kids being able to be adopted in any family. If that is the case, should you not expand the number of organizations able to participate in handling adoptions and foster services in the state? And if your answer to that is yes, well, then why are you precluding Christians from doing so? Because a Christian adoption agency is not going to uh, let a single parent or or a homosexual couple adopt because of their deeply held religious views. They only adopt, in most cases, to two-parent nuclear heterosexual households. So, without the religious liberty debate in the adoption bill, you have state leaders agreeing to discriminate against Christians. Because, you know, under the Constitution, under the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment, a person of faith should not have to give up their faith to participate on an equal playing field with government. And what the state wants Christians to do is to give up their deeply held beliefs to participate. We're not saying discriminate against homosexuals. We're saying that we should allow Christians to manage the adoption of children based on their faith. There are plenty of secular adoption agencies anyone gay or straight can go to. And that's going to come to a head this legislative session. And the way I read this the lieutenant governor is siding with the governor and the speaker of the house that the state should discriminate against Christians. They should tell Christian adoption agencies, you must give up your deeply held religious beliefs. If you want to help place children in adoptive households. And these are Republicans doing this, telling Christians they have to give up their deeply held religious beliefs in order to help place children in households. You would think we would be doing something for the benefit of kids, not for the benefit of would be parents. But, apparently the leadership sees otherwise, Uh, this is a line in the sand that conservative voters should be willing to fight on.
1: Atlanta's News Weather and Traffic, plus WSB's Eric Erickson, Atlanta's Evening News, sponsored by Comcast Business. This is WSB.
0: Did you guys hear the the Mark Bray? He's a Dartmouth lecturer. And, and by lecture, I take it to mean he's not a, a professor of some kind. I don't know if he has this. Well, I guess NBC calls him a professor. He's got a new book out, Antifa, or as he calls it, Antifa, the anti-fascist handbook. And he... Doesn't participate in Antifa's protest, but he actually says that the Antifa, he seems to be okay with Antifa violence. In fact, Dartmouth's university president has had to come out and distance himself from this guy uh, out there justifying Antifa violence. We've got an incident over the weekend where a uh, news reporter with a camera was beaten with a billy club by Antifa supporters. We had another guy who uh, was put into a coma by Antifa supporters. And there, you don't see the media rushing to get Democrats to condemn Antifa in the way that they get Republicans to condemn white supremacists, which in and of itself is a big tell as to where media sympathies lie because many of them are sympathetic to Antifa, which uh, they are as fascist as the fascists they claim to protest. And even this Mark Bray notes that uh, the these anti-fascists, essentially they have communist origins, um, opposing the Nazis and the Italian fascists. Although again, it is worth repeating to infinity and beyond that the Nazis were kissing cousins of the Communists. In fact, Lenin and or Stalin rather and, and Hitler got along fabulously until Hitler decided to invade. They, they were both rather anti-Semitic. They both loved socialism. They both thought the state was the the end of itself, uh, a, a means and an end to itself. They, I mean, the National Socialists. That's Nazi. Remember, it was the Nazis who were the trendsetters when it came to universal health care. It was the Nazis who were the trendsetter in mandating vegetarianism for the people. It was the Nazis who really supported universal education for everyone. It was the Nazis who supported all of these things that are now bedrock principles of the American Democratic Party, thanks to the socialists. They are socialists. And now you've got the Antifa people coming out, clubbing people in the street. Last week, the media was in high dungeons about it, demanding that Republicans distance themselves from white supremacists. But you've got them out there supporting Democrats and uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren types championing them. And you don't hear the media trying to get Democrats to distance themselves from Antifa. Why? Because there is a sympathy to Antifa. They are a terrorist group. They are. Uh, Now, we're going to move on from that terrorist group. When we come back, I want to talk about a a politician who is really corrupt and bad and lenient with child molesters and uses the power of the state to attack his enemies. He's a Democrat, and I want to know why the president of the United States is not going after this person. We really need to talk about that. We also need to talk about what's happening in Houston and how the global global uh, global warming alarmists are starting to freak out when we come back. 39 After the Hour, welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the phone number, I guess I should give it to you now, 404 872 750 WSB Talk, T-A-L-K, that's the number if you go to Emory. Now, before we get into this corrupt Democrat, Let's spend a few minutes here on Houston. The left has told, remember, it's it's cool right now in Georgia, is it not? I mean, we've had some very pleasant days here in the low 80s. And when you point these things out that we're having uh, cooler than normal temperatures, we've had a very mild summer here. I don't know how many days, if any, we ever got above 100 this summer, but very, very few compared to last summer. You point any of this stuff out and the, the left will tell you that weather is not climate that these one-off events have nothing to do with global warming and climate change. And then you get a Hurricane Sandy, or you get the Hurricane Harvey, and suddenly, oh, global warming, glo- it's climate change. Climate change has everything to do with it. Well, you just told us that these one-off weather events don't. Well, well, when the left wants them to, they do. And Harvey is the latest example, the historic flooding and da-da-da-da-da-da. Roy Spencer, who writes at What's Up With This, uh, the, the me- famous meteorologist, A global warming skeptic, if you will allow. Not a denier, but a skeptic. He has a great piece today that all of these liberals out today saying that all this historic flooding has everything to do with climate change are missing the point. It has nothing to do with climate change. These one-off weather events. Uh, This is the first hurricane that we've had hit the Gulf Coast in a number of years, I guess since Rita or so. Uh, we haven't had very many hurricanes in the Atlantic hurricane season in the last decade. And uh, the one that, that has hit Houston and is delivering a lot of rain it has more to do with a weather pattern. Uh, as Roy Spencer notes, uh, the slowness of a hurricane is nothing that global warming or climate change um, I- I reference. The speed of a storm based on other weather patterns has something to do with not climate change. But with weather and weather patterns, uh, you know we had uh, what was it? Um, I, I, Ivan Floyd who, who, the one that Alberto who caused all the flooding in Georgia in 94 when I was at Mercer. It just it, it was a tropical storm that refused to move. these and that wasn't any more climate change than Harvey's climate change. But the flooding there, the historic flooding has a lot more to do with the development of Houston. You see, Houston, according to a number of meteorologists who pointed this out today, who are even rebutting the climate change stuff, even though they agree with climate change, Houston is a very high water table. It's got a largely sandy soil, and it can absorb water fairly quickly. The problem is that Houston has grown significantly. And with Houston growing, Houston has been paved over. So instead of all of the rainfall being able to hit ground and be absorbed into the ground... It's hitting asphalt and it's running off directly into bayous instead of being uh, absorbed by the ground. And as it's all running into the bayous, you've got all these asphalt areas that are having the rain pour onto it and then pour into storm drains that are then pushing it faster to the bayous so things are filling up quicker. That's what's going on here. It doesn't have anything to do with climate change, what we're seeing in Houston. It has everything to do with the development of Houston, the massive asphalt parking lots in Houston that have grown up in the last decade, a a huge amount. And, you know, the, the evacuation issue has turned political there. And it really, there are a lot of people wanting to have an R and a D association that the Republicans wanted evacuations, Democrats didn't. I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. But first, let's go check with Doug Turnbull on traffic. Thank you very much. You know, randomly... I have gotten two people today, and anecdote isn't data, but this is circulating and I don't know where, asking me about HJRES 76 in Congress, that it would allow uh, unlawful search without a warrant, and is this true? Uh, You know, I've looked up this legislation, and it is about granting consent and approval of Congress for Virginia, Maryland, and the District of Columbia to enter into an interstate compact relating to the Washington Metro Rail Safety Commission. Um, It has nothing to do with warrantless wiretaps, and I've actually skimmed the legislation. It's just a resolution allowing Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. to have a combined uh, safety commission for the Metro Rail system up there. I don't know who's circulating the idea that somehow this is a... Um, is legislation to allow for unlawful searches seizure? I, I don't know. But I, when I see a couple of people start pushing this on Twitter and stuff, I realize it's got to be out there somewhere on, on the, the fringes of the Internet. And I figure I better nip it in the bud before it gets there too far. Now, we'll get into the abusive Democrat when we come back. Atlanta's
1: Evening News with Eric Erickson. Breaking local news. Kirk Mellish's accurate and dependable five-day forecast. And triple team traffic every six minutes. WSB.
0: I, look, I, I I don't want to step on toes. Um, I, I don't want to interfere. The station is urging people to go to WSBRadio.com. You can um, do that and give money to the Red Cross. You can give money to the Red Cross directly if you like. In fact, if you, let me make sure I get the right number here. If you text the word Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-Y, let me get the right number here. Text the word Harvey to 90999. You can automatically give $10 to the Red Cross. Uh, Text Harvey to 90999. uh, You can give $10 to the Red Cross that way. You can go to the wsbradio.com. I don't want to step on anybody's toes by saying this. Um, I actually, in situations like this with Harvey, tend to give money to the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Even though I'm not Southern Baptist, I go to a PCA church. I did grow up Southern Baptist. But the reason I give to the North American Mission Board is because every single penny that you give will go to relief. Uh, there will not be any administrative overhead or administrative costs if you go to the North American Mission Board. Also, they're local. They are Atlanta-based, uh, and they will be giving money. If you go to N-A-M-B, N-A-M as in Mary, B as in net, that's their website. You can donate. You can go to the com as well. I've got a link there. Uh, I like the North American Mission Board because I am from Louisiana, and after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, the only, the only only, and I mean this very genuinely and sincerely, the only relief agency that showed up in the hours after Katrina was the North American Mission Board. They were the first relief agency to come in. They beat the Red Cross. They beat the Salvation Army. They beat FEMA. They were there. Uh, The only group that came close to the North American Mission Board was Walmart, a private for-profit entity. Uh, So I am a big supporter of the North American Mission Board and the relief that they give uh, in areas. Uh, I I cannot recommend them enough. They also are local. They are in Atlanta. And and 100% of your money goes to help people. So you can uh, support the Red Cross, support the Salvation Army, uh, whatever you want. Uh, I've been sending my money to the North American Mission Board. Uh, Even though I'm not Baptist, they do a fantastic job helping everyone in need can't recommend them enough when we come back there is a very abusive democrat at the state level and he is the type of democrat that president uh, president trump campaigned against and i'm hoping the president will get jeff sessions involved you will not believe this is a democrat who literally faked an assassination attempt on himself to get himself reelected. wait until i tell you the story when we come back Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Y'all, I have the perfect example of someone and something that Donald Trump, he campaigned against this sort of stuff, and hopefully he will put his his, uh, money where his mouth is, his action where his mouth is, whatever you want to say to deal with this. You um, just, you got to stick around here because this is, this is a democratic politician, you know, and let me just set the stage for you on this. This is the, this is the sort of guy that Donald Trump uh, should send Jeff Sessions after. In fact, you know, he, he, Barack Obama tried to go after this guy. Didn't do him much good though. Uh, it, but Barack Obama doesn't have the force of will that Donald Trump does. And it, it is a an abusive local Democrat. Let me give you some facts about this guy. He was losing a reelection bidder, so it seems at the time. So he decided to fake an assassination plot against himself. He found the guy, and his staff, his own staff, drove the man around to buy parts to build a bomb to kill the politician and then arrested the guy that they took around to buy the bomb parts. Uh, The jury in the case was just, I mean, literally had their mouths hanging open, hearing the story that this local Democrat had his campaign staff, not his campaign staff, his political office staff, go out and help a man acquire the parts to kill their boss, only to frame the individual who had been told he was helping. Uh, Obviously, he got off, and then the state had to pay millions of dollars Uh, to the guy for having been set up. Uh, In other cases, when other local elected officials complained about this Democrat, the Democrat had sheriff's deputies begin harassing them. In more than one case, filed criminal charges against uh, a, a county supervisor, against school board members, against superior court judges. I mean, how much more abusive can you get? And then there's this kicker. Uh, This is a Democrat who claims to be tough, who claims to be tough on crime, who claims to be all about law and order, except during one three-year period, his office didn't properly investigate more than 400 alleged sex crimes, which was his job, many of them involving child molestation. District attorney, if you can't tell. In all, the department improperly cleared as many as 75% of cases without arrest or investigation. Now, there was a scathing report issued on this uh, Democrat district attorney. I mean, so this is a guy, let's review. This is a district attorney, a Democrat who abuses his office. He had to pay a framed defendant $1.1 million after the defendant was found not guilty of an imaginary assassination attempt the Democratic district attorney himself constructed. He even went so far as having sheriff's deputies burn someone's home down, killing that person's dog in the process, because he claimed that there were weapons in the house and instead of going in to seize them, he burned the house down. I mean but it, it gets even more abusive than this. Uh wait until you find you just you're you're not good. you know who this democrat is and doesn't get a ton of media attention, uh probably cuz it's a democrat, but first let's go check with Doug Turnbull. Now, here's one of the funny facts about this district attorney. He ordered sheriff's deputies in his county to remove all of the white people from jails in the county and to put them in an area that had electric fences surrounding them. And he called it a concentration camp. He literally called it a concentration camp. know I'm not making this up. He rounded up all the white people and he put him in an area surrounded by an electric fence and called it a concentration camp. And, you know, the national media did not cover this. Now, they may not have covered it because a couple of reporters did try to cover it, and they were arrested and thrown in jail. In fact, one of them, his media company, had to sue to get the reporter out of jail, and the state wound up having to pay millions of dollars to these individuals. Finally, Barack Obama got tired of this guy's antics. giving the Democratic Party a bad name. So he sent in a federal investigation and a federal judge got involved and the district attorney hired private investigators to harass and investigate the federal judge's wife. Can you believe this? This actually happened and it got such little media attention, very little media attention. I mean, I was shocked and horrified to learn a lot of this stuff. I had never heard of it before. I mean, who in their right mind to win an election fakes their own assassination attempt and then a, it tries to, to frame the guy? It just I mean, this is something out of a movie. This is something out of a, a Gene Hackman movie where he's the corrupt politician. And yet it happened. And yet it was real. And no, no, it's not a Democratic district attorney. It's Republican Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Who President Trump just pardoned? Yeah. Yeah, folks. Yeah, he, many of you consider him a hero. Did did you know he faked assassination attempt against himself and then arrested the person that he set up? Had to pay one point one million dollars to the individual? Did you know he arrested uh a, a reporters who were investigating his jail? Had to pay multi million dollar settlements to the reporters? Did you know he burned someone's house down and had their dog killed? He didn't want to go into the house to seize what he said were weapons there. Apparently none were found uh, from the press reports. Yeah, it, it, imagine if this was a Democrat. This this is the guy that that Donald Trump pardoned. And, you know, you can say all you want that a federal judge set him up, that he was only found guilty of contempt of court for ignoring a high-handed Democratic judge who he sicked private investigators on the judge's wife. You can say that. But then Al Capone was never actually thrown in jail for murder. He was never thrown in jail for extortion. He was never thrown in jail for bribery. He was thrown in jail for tax evasion. Joe Arpaio is not the conservative you've been led to believe. And it is really striking to me how many conservatives have been easily led to believe that Joe Arpaio is a conservative hero. He's not. He's a thug. And no, it wasn't white people. It was Hispanic people. He pulled them all out of his jail and put them outside surrounded by an electric fence and openly called it his concentration camp. Yes, during one three-year period, his office didn't properly investigate more than 400 alleged sex crimes, many of them involving child molestation. The department improperly cleared as many as 75% of those cases without arrest or investigation. And it was outlined in a scathing report by the conservative Goldwater Institute, outraged by what Arpaio had done. Now, folks, you can be upset with Bill Clinton pardoning Mark Rick, Mark Rich, not the Georgia football coach. You can be upset with Barack Obama pardoning Bradley Manning. You can be upset with Barack Obama pardoning the Puerto Rican terrorists. But that doesn't mean that President Trump should have pardoned Joe Arpaio. Now, you can say there was political motivation in all of those. There's political motivation here. Arpaio has been a longtime supporter of President Trump's, but there is a big difference, I think, between those and this. In all of those cases, the individuals had at least been sentenced, had at least gone through the appeals process, had at least learned some semblance of some bit of a lesson other than Bradley Manning. Arpaio's learned no lesson. He hasn't even been sentenced yet. The appeals process hasn't even begun The president pardoned him sooner than any president has ever issued a pardon for anyone. And those of you who say, well, the Democrats did it too, you're one day going to long for the restrained days of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. Because the next Democrat is going to go even further. They're not even going to wait for the trial. They're just going to go on and pardon Anything that Donald Trump can do, the next Democrat can do even more so, and he shouldn't have done it for a guy like Arpaio, and none of you should have ever made this guy a hero given what he's done. And I admit, many of it I didn't even know, but it's all true, and it's not liberals who are pointing it out. It is solid, longtime conservatives like my friend John Gabriel out in Arizona and the Goldwater Institute who are pointing it out. This man is a monster. He's not your friend.
1: Eric Erickson and Atlantis Evening News. Who is that guy? I love The him. information you need and the truth you demand every night on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Atlantis Evening News is sponsored by Comcast Business.
0: You know, it's very funny to watch Democrats blasting Ted Cruz and, and several other Republicans who opposed Hurricane Sandy funding, uh, saying, well, they want Hurricane Harvey funding now. We're going to vote against it what they totally and completely ignore is that none of these Republicans who opposed the hurricane Sandy funding were opposed to funding hurricane Sandy relief. They were opposed to the massive port barrel spending that was in the hurricane Sandy package. Uh, there was a lot of spending in that package that had absolutely nothing to do with hurricane Sandy. And that is where the Republican protests came from. You would never know that from the way the media is covering stuff, but then what can you expect uh, from the media? You, you you can't expect anything honest from the media. Uh, nonetheless uh, Hurricane Harvey is going to get some funding from government again though if you go to wsbradio.com you can give to the Red Cross you can also text the word Harvey H-A-R-V-E-Y to 90999 and that'll take ten dollars off your phone bill um, given to the Red Cross you can do that you can go go to the redcross.com Salvation Army the North American Mission Board you name it lots of people willing to help the flooding in Houston, as I mentioned earlier, a lot to do with the amount of asphalt on the ground in Houston right now. But it is a bad and dangerous situation that is going to be worsening through Wednesday. Uh, while we here are blessed with some great temperatures right now, not the case over there. So uh, pray for the folks in Texas, if you will. Uh, many churches, many local churches here organizing relief for them, um, but do what you can to help the folks over there. They would do it for us. You know it. The Cajun Navy is on the way. Those volunteer uh, Cajun fishermen from South Louisiana who helped people after Katrina, they have uh, loaded up and headed over to Houston to help uh, get people off roofs and whatnot over there, giving all the manpower they can. Just a fascinating, fascinating bit of human goodness on display in Texas right now. We'll be back. It is 39 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. I have had just an inordinate number of people around the nation today actually ask me what I thought of Kurt Slitter's Kurt Schlitter's piece at Town Hall. Kurt is actually a friend of mine, and he wrote a piece called... Uh conservatism is not a suicide pact. It's gotten a lot of buzz today, and good for him. You know, he is in the he's in the National Guard. He's a lawyer. Uh dude is super busy and he finds time to write uh very provocatively, in many cases intentionally show. In fact he admitted to me he had written provocatively, hoping for some sort of response, uh particularly like the one I gave him, and I did give him a response today on his piece. And essentially, uh, Kurt argues that conservatism isn't a suicide pact and his plan is to beat down the left so much. So in fact, let me give you his direct quote, uh, cause you know, Kurt writes as Kurt writes and it is a good quote. If I can find it in the piece, his idea is to beat the left, uh, mercilessly, uh, so that they, they never try again, to do what they've done in the past. Uh, Their their Birkenstocks essentially give up on trying to beat uh, people. He calls the rule of law a unicorn, as it has been for some time. Here he goes. Uh, His plan is to cause the left so much pain by applying their new rules to them that they give up trying to grind their Birkenstocks into our faces forever. And I got a lot of people saying amen to this. And had a listener and reader email me this morning and ask me what I thought of this. She, she got it started, and then a floodgate opened to people throughout the day as this piece picked up steam, and, and her husband is amening with Kurt on this. Here's my problem. Uh, beating the left at their own game isn't conservatism. In fact, I, I would submit to you that if you play the left at its own game, you have turned it into a suicide pact. Because the left has no sense of history. That, that's that been true for the last several hundred years. The left intentionally doesn't have a sense of history because it doesn't feel like it needs a sense of history because it feels like it is ever advancing. So you beat the liberals today— well, they're not going to remember tomorrow. All they're going to remember is is that you're violent, so they can be violent. They get to do it as well. So you're not really advancing anything. I, I hear friends of mine on talk radio now say all the time that the only thing left is to beat the left. You can never beat the left, and this election is a reminder of that. Donald Trump's election is a reminder of that. The Democrats thought they had a permanent political majority, and they didn't. Donald Trump became president. At some point, a Democrat will become president again, and the precedents that you were establishing to day will be amplified for them just in the same way the precedents established by Democrats have been amplified by Donald Trump. So if you want to be violent against the left, the left is going to be violent against you. You want to use the law to root out and punish the left, they're going to use the law to root out and punish you. This isn't a public policy strategy. This isn't good personnel as policy. This isn't anything. This isn't conservatism. What it is is right-wing authoritarianism versus left-wing totalitarianism. There's no idea. Both of them are mob rule, and it depends on which mob is in charge. Uh, I would submit there are things that you can do, first of which is force Senate Republicans to get as many conservative judges put on the federal bench as possible as quickly as possible because they tend to believe in the rule of law. If you think the rule of law is collapsing in this country, put on a bunch of people on the federal judiciary who support and believe in the rule of law. They're not going to be persuaded by the mob of either side. They're going to do what's right. Uh, second, got to stop escalating the fight. You punch the left, the left punch backs twice as hard. You punch back three times as hard, they punch back four times as hard. You, 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 it Just back and forth, it's never going to end. You know what's remarkable in light of the Arpaio uh, pardon and all the others is how restrained George W. Bush was with his pardons, including Scooter Libby. He could have pardoned Libby. He could have, but he didn't. And he didn't because he didn't think it was proper. He decided to restrain it. And believe it or not, I know everyone denies it today. But back when Barack Obama pardoned the Puerto Rican terrorists, there was actually backlash from Democrats and from the media, and all of them citing the restraint of George W. Bush not pardoning Scooter Libby. You escalate this, the left is going to escalate it. You're never going to get the left to de-escalate anything. Uh, That's part of the problem, and I'm a pessimist long-term because I don't think there are enough people like me willing to de-escalate the situation i think everybody thinks you got to escalate it and you know it's just we're in the end times folks it's a slip slide all the way down to uh, sodom and gomorrah until the second coming uh <laughs> traffic though is no slip slide it doesn't move we better go check on it with doug turnbull now, it, you can go to TheResurgent.com if you want and, and find my piece responding to Kurt with, with my more substantive ideas. The title is But This Is a Suicide Pact. One of the things I do want to call your attention to, though, is that I think we need to change the way we do antitrust laws in this country. Right now, in the United States, the government decides there is no antitrust violation if prices are kept low. You can have a monopoly, and as long as prices are kept low, there is no trust violation. The Europeans have rethought this, and I think we should rethink it along their their ideas. It's one of the few times I would ever suggest that. And what the Europeans have decided is that in the digital age, it's very easy to keep prices low, and it's easy to keep prices low by keeping competition out of the market. So Google and Amazon can be investigated in Europe by shutting out their competitors uh, who are providing options, even if they're keeping prices low. In this country, they can't. And I think if you want to force Google to change its business practices, you've got to go after them the way the Europeans are doing, not saying, well, prices are low, there's no problem, but saying they're keeping alternative opinions out of their algorithm. Therefore, uh, they're an antitrust concern. That, I think, is what we've got to do in this country to go after these tech companies because I really do believe Google, Facebook, and the rest of them would gladly silence conservatives but then say, hey, there's no antitrust problem. We're keeping everything low. We're keeping all the prices low. Uh, It's just we've got rid of competition.
1: When everything's changing around you, there's a voice that's consistent and honest. Eric Erickson. Every day, 5 till 7, News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB.
0: I have been asked to say something here at the end, and it's going to offend some of you for reasons I still can't process. Whoa. I mean, wow. The Game of Thrones finale last night. Unbelievable. Now, uh, there are a lot of people critical of this season of Game of Thrones because it has rushed to its conclusion, and it may not come back until 2019 now. Uh, and, and my guess is based on the way they're talking about wanting to do shooting schedules is they want to shoot some winter scenes, but then they got to shoot some spring and summer scenes, which suggests they're going to conclude it with summer returning, uh, which means the bad guys won't win. There's been some speculation all along with some of George R.R. R. Martin's statements that uh, the, the Night King would actually win. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I got to tell you guys, though, that for all of the faults of this season last night. Wow. That was so well done. The dialogue so well written. The interaction so good. Now, I know some of you who are regular churchgoers, you're offended by my liking Game of Thrones. I have gotten this. I actually got this. I was at a Taco Mac in Atlanta having a beer, no less, a couple of weeks ago. And a couple came up to me and the, the wife needed to tell me that she thought I was leading people astray by watching Game of Thrones and recommending it to people. And I've made clear to her, I don't recommend it to people. I think it's a good show, and I think there is nothing wrong with you being a Christian watching Game of Thrones. In fact, most of the Christians that who, who are very hostile to it admit they've never seen it. They don't really know what they're talking about. They, they just know the Internet buzz about it. Um, but if you do have certain addiction problems or, or weaknesses, then it's not for you. If you uh, have gore and violence and, and nudity concerns, don't watch it. Um, but I think it, it is one of the best scripted, best written shows on television today or yesterday. And it, it highlights so well, human depravity and the human condition. Uh, and there's a, a level of realism to it in the behaviors of people, even though it's a fantastical show with magic and dragons and whatnot. I just, I love the show. And last night season finale, I don't know that I can wait until 2019 for the next one. I'm going to have to start watching uh, go back to season one and watch it over. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Dragons. Wow. I, I I won't give away any spoilers, but yeah. Wow. All right, folks, we're out of time. I will see you guys tomorrow. I'm sure between now and then Trump will open his mouth and make more news.